0: Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of The Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday, morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. Going to have a lot of things to get to today. We're going to talk about how Will Wade and LSU find themselves in hot water. We're also going to get to a record-setting season for young freshmen from the Razorbacks. But we got to start with Arkansas basketball. Getting a victory over Vanderbilt last night against what I think might be the worst team I have ever seen in SEC play. Now, I am not trying to make light of the situation that they find themselves in with the Commodores. But what I do know is that Bryce Drew <laughs> and uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores, I, I just I don't know how you could not have a worse team than what we saw with the Vanderbilt Commodores last night. Arkansas gets the victory final score of 84-48. to 48. No, that's not me misspeaking. 84-48. to 48. Now Vanderbilt moves on to 0-17 in conference, 9-21 overall. Big nights from a few Razorback basketball players, namely Daniel Gafford gets 20 points, only four rebounds, but Isaiah Jogos gets 12 points. Desi Sills adds 11, and Mason Jones gets 16. So a nice little victory there for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, this doesn't really make anyone excited, right? I mean, this doesn't make a game to where all of a sudden you start feeling better about the future, start feeling better about Mike Anderson, start feeling better about everything. Because let's be honest if you go on the road and you trounce the worst team in SEC play, in fact, will be the first over for SEC team since 1953, which was Georgia Tech, shows you how long it's been, I, I, that's not really going to make you excited. And that's not going to put some nice capper on the season itself. Now, you've got to enjoy any time you win. I'm not trying to make people not want to enjoy victories when they can get them. But I'm just trying to be realistic about the options here. And that Mike Anderson still finds himself in a very precarious situation. Nothing's changed. The past two victories hasn't changed anything. The only thing that I say could say has changed something is Nolan Richardson uh, getting his name on the court. I think it all at least but guarantees that Mike Anderson will be back next season. You just you wouldn't have some type of ceremony like that, especially next year without having Mike Anderson there and some of the former players there and all that. Now, it's not to say that that's the main reason why they decided to lessen the blow by going that route. I'm just saying that logic makes sense in that regard. But it still makes you frustrated as a Razorback fan because you feel like that this season still should be better than what it is. I mean, you're 7-10 and 10 in SEC play. You're 16-14. and 14. If you win on Saturday versus Bama, guess what? You get a chance to play as the nine seed in the SEC tournament. And even if you won your first game, even if you won your second game, I don't think that's going to be enough to get you into any postseason play, anyways. Maybe somebody will be kind there in the NIT. Maybe you can get an invite to that tournament that everyone has to pay for. It's just the CBI tournament. You know, maybe maybe that's something you can look forward to. But the season's over. There, there's no monumental postseason unless Arkansas just gets on a crazy run and runs the table in the SEC tournament and makes the NCAA tournament. Wouldn't that Wouldn't that be something, folks? Wouldn't that be the most ridiculous thing ever if Arkansas did that? But you know what? That would be the most Arkansas thing of all time is to win the SEC, get into the NCAA tournament somehow, some way, and then it becomes Mike Anderson's made the NCAA tournament four out of the last five years. Uh, I don't even want to think about that frustration and what, having to deal with a lot of the Razorback fans. But that's pretty much the best case scenario you can have if you're a Razorback basketball fan. But the problem is, is that I look at other SEC teams right now and I look at the situations they find themselves in, like Vanderbilt, and just be like, man, it could be so much worse. If you're a Razorback fan, and just looking around the league, it could be so much worse. I mean, Vanderbilt is awful. Missouri is... I mean, they're they're going to be an awful program. Texas A&M is an awful program. They're in an awful situation. They're not going to get much better. Alabama, good grief, who even knows what they're doing right now? South Carolina had a great conference play, but hasn't done anything in non-conference, so it might keep them out of the NCAA tournament. I mean, you look at all these other teams, and it kind of makes you put yourself in perspective and puts what Mike Anderson's doing in perspective. Now, don't get mad at me, because I'm not saying that this is – uh, a way of getting Mike Anderson off the hook because, oh, well will look at everybody else. No, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say that it is such a difficult thing to be able to find great coaches, good to great coaches, and one, be able to keep them at your school, and two, being able to sustain the success at your school. You see a few of them in college basketball. I think the obvious ones would be Roy Williams and Coach K, Bill Self, John Calipari, Jim Boeheim, Tom Izzo. Like we're talking about Hall of Fame National Championship winning coaches. And those coaches are just very few and far between. I mean, besides Calipari out of Kentucky, <laughs> uh, he's the newest guy on the block and he's been there for nearly 10 years now. So, uh, I mean, it just, they stick around. And when they stick around and they still do this at a high level, it's just, you're almost in awe of it and jealous of it because like, man, wish you could just have a few years of that. But it's not so common that there's big time programs just littered across the country. And it, again, when you watch the 94 national championship and the honoring that they had, it just makes you really appreciate it that much more that you were one of those teams. You were one of those top-tier programs that got talked about all the time. And That you had a Hall of Fame coach and Nolan Richardson. I mean, it was so great. And now you're so far from it. And Mike Anderson's a good coach, but he's not a great coach. I don't know if we have anything left to see from Mike. I don't think that he's going to get any better than what he's had already at Arkansas which is why I feel like in the next, if it's not going to be this year, but maybe next year or the year after that, I think it might be the end for Mike Anderson, just because we've seen it all. We, we've we seen where it's been. But, again, folks, this you know people talk about Bobby Petrino, and you get tired of it. Tired of talking about it, tired of comparing it, better, you know, Brett Bielman, all that stuff that you got compared to it and how horrible it was. You know why? It's because when you have a coach, when you have an, a, an elite winning coach, you find ways to keep them. You find ways. When Bobby Petrino had it rolling, you, they should have found a way to keep him on staff. Now, morale, morally, no. That, that's horrible. You can't say that. But I'm telling you, folks, if you have a diamond in the rough, if you have a golden calf, you better make sure that you protect it and you make it work and you give it whatever it needs to make sure that it is successful. Dave Van Horn is a great example of this. Dave Van Horn better get whatever he needs to be successful. And I think he does. I mean, he's got one of the best facilities to play baseball in. He's got a practice facility. He's got all the support that he could possibly want at a school. He's got it. And that's, one of the main reasons, he stays at Arkansas and he's very successful at Arkansas. Why would you go anywhere else? That's how it needs to be done. And right now, especially in football and basketball, I think you have a, a good coach in Mike Anderson, and I think you have a unknown coach in Chad Morris. But if one of those coaches is able to succeed, you find ways to keep them, find ways to make them happy, find ways to make them work. Because they don't just grow on trees. You can't just go out and find a coach that is successful even somewhere else and assume that they're going to come to your school and be successful immediately. That's not the case. See Brett Bielema. Getting the right coach is always the most difficult thing. But when you have him, and when he's bringing you success at a high level, do whatever you can, however you can, to make sure he has everything he needs to be successful that you do not let him out of your sight you do not let him leave because of those issues right now it just makes you yearn for the past maybe Chad Morris can be that coach maybe he can get to that level I don't think Mike Anderson can get there but who knows but if he can't maybe the next guy can but no matter what keep your elite coaches at all costs. Make sure you do not lose them because you have seen firsthand the results of how badly, how terrible your program can fall simply by losing an elite Hall of Fame coach. Hold on to the greatness, but make sure you find it first. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas
1: Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on
0: into the next segment of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Boy, this one, uh, <laughs> this one's kind of funny. I- I'm going to get a, list, a little bit of a chuckle out of this. I always find it interesting when the feds are involved in college athletics because it's just like, how, how did we get to this point <laughs> where the federal government is involved with college athletics? Stuff that we just watch for fun. And here comes something actually serious. Well, this is what happens with LSU and Will Wade. Now, I'm just going to read you the report. According to an explosive report from Yahoo Sports, this is the one Yahoo Sports originally reported, the FBI has audio recordings of LSU head coach Will Wade discussing an offer made directly to a player. While what exactly Wade meant when he claims an offer was made is not stated by the LSU coach, But the exchange was described by Yahoo Sports as pretty damning. Wade had several phone calls, conversations with former agent Christian Dawkins, who is recently convicted in the NCAA corruption trial following an FBI investigation into college basketball, where he strongly implies money offers were made to a prospect. Now, while Javante Smart's name was not specifically stated by Wade, the name Smart is found in the exchanges of LSU's coach and now convicted Dawkins. And here's how the exchange went down. So I'm going to read you this exchange. It's real quick, but it's really funny. This is Wade talking, quote, I was thinking last night on this Smart thing. I'll be honest with you. I'm bleeping tired of dealing with this thing. Like I'm just bleeping sick of dealing with the bleep like this should not be that bleeping complicated. Jeez, you're going to have to owe a fortune to the swear jar will wade. He goes on to say, "Dude, I went with him on a bleeping strong-ass offer about a month ago, bleeping strong." The problem was, I know why he didn't take it now. It was bleeping tilted toward the family a little bit. It was tilted toward taking care of the mom, taking care of the kid, like it was tilted towards that. Now I know for a fact he didn't do, do he didn't explain everything to the mom. I now know he didn't get enough of the piece of the pie in the deal. Then Dawkins responds with, hmm. Wade then says, it was a bleeping, hell of a bleeping offer. Hell of an offer. Dawkins says, okay. Wade says, especially for a kid who is going to be a two, three-year kid. That ends the conversation. Now, according to Yahoo Sports reporting, the FBI has call logs showing three phone calls by Dawkins to Wade between june 19th and june 30th of 2017 and here we go smart publicly committed to lsu on june 30th now boy oh boy is this not one of those interesting things that you hope and it well it looks terrible for one and if you're an opposing fan of the teams or in the leagues you hope that it becomes true and listen lsu's got Uh, they're leading the SEC right now. they got great talent. Arkansas, for some reason, beat them once and should have beaten them twice. Some things just don't make sense, folks. But either way, Will Wade finds himself in quite a bit of hot water. And we've seen coaches go down in college basketball for a lot less. And it comes down to this. LSU started upping their recruiting game. They started getting more talented players once Will Wade arrived. Put two and two together. (laughs) Just put two and two together. They've been cheating. They have been. You know, I know that everyone's going to say, well, the allegations, yada, yada. No, they've been cheating. They have been. Let's just be honest about it. And they're not the only ones doing it. But unfortunately for them, they're the ones that are getting caught in this. So, that being said, if I'm LSU, and this is as, just assuming this is as horrible as it gets. If there's more that comes out, then you're going to have to address it accordingly. But just say that this right here is as bad as it gets. If I'm LSU, do I fire Will Wade? I mean, do you fire him? Or do you say, you know what? Let's just do what all these other teams and programs have done and just ride it. I Maybe mean, because I just talked about the last segment of keeping your weak coaches. I don't think Will Wade counts, though. He's not on the same level as the other ones. But if you're LSU, do you keep him? Because he's bringing you a lot of success. And for crying out loud, you're first in the SEC right now. You're going to the NCAA tournament. You have a lot of great players. Do you risk that in keeping him around? Or do you have to make the right PR move and tell him to hit the brakes, to which he will inevitably be hired somewhere else and probably be very successful? Listen, coaches have gone down in college basketball. Look at Bruce Pearl at Tennessee. Kelvin Sampson when he was at Indiana. I mean, it's happened before. It's not that shocking to see, especially nowadays. But the shocking thing is going to be LSU and how they approach it and how they handle it. I think, if, I, if I'm LSU right now, if I'm an LSU fan, I'm wanting to find ways to keep Will Wade. I mean, really. He obviously has something going for him, and he has something figured out to where, if it, even if it is cheating, it's a success. And you have to keep success going. But I'm also, if I'm LSU and I'm going well, to wait, I'm denying, 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 denying all day long. Deny, deny, deny. Admit nothing, deny everything. Simple as that, By just by telling the truth. Do what North Carolina did. Hire all the lawyers. Hire all the lawyers you can. All the big-time lawyers, even if it will cost you a fortune, get your way out of it. Find a way out of it. Am I a terrible person? This has been a pretty terrible podcast for me if you're looking at my morals. But I'm just looking at it from the perspective of what's the smart way to do it if you want a successful athletic program. That's the smart way to do it. Will Wade, LSU, deny everything. But unfortunately for LSU and Will Wade, even denying may not be enough at this point in time. You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the final segment of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. I got to give a congratulations to Isaiah Joe, who last night against Vanderbilt broke Scotty Thurman's record for single season three-pointers made in a year. Now, that's not freshman record. That's anybody, everybody. And how impressive is that by Isaiah Joe? Because there's a few things that really makes it more impressive. Number one, he's a freshman. Right there off the bat is impressive. Number two, there is no other real legitimate threat at threes besides Joe. Now, I know Mason Jones has had some games here and there. So maybe you could say he's a half of a threat. But it's not like a lot of players from opposing teams have Dropped off and gone towards somebody else to open him up for wide-open wide, wide open threes. Now, inside you had Daniel Gafford that's helped. But for the most part, it hasn't just been overwhelmingly helpful having Isaiah Joe out there and him trying to you know make a bunch of threes that are, he's wide open because somebody else is getting doubled. It, it doesn't happen that often. So that's impressive that he has been able to do that. It's also impressive, if you think about some of the great three-point shooters that came through Arkansas just in the past... Geez, 30 years, 40 years. Think about that. You had guys like Pat Bradley, Lee Mayberry, Todd Day. Both were good three-point shooters. You had Scotty Thurman. You had Gennaro Pargo. You had Rodney Clark. You had Dusty Hannes. You had Anthon Bell. You had Daryl Macon. And now you have Isaiah Joe. And that kid, the kid coming out of Fort Smith, who would have ever guessed that he would be that level good? But he is, and that's awesome. I I really hope that he sticks around because here's the thing too: he's got some size on. He's about six three, six three, six four, and to be able to shoot at that high rate, not having to worry about any of the you know other players coming around and trying to you know if you're because like, let's be honest, if you're Rodney Clark, it was tough to get your own shot off. Even Dusty Hannes and Darrell Megan, they weren't always able to do that. But Isaiah Joe's got some size on him. And coming along with that size, if he can just develop some more parts of his game, oh, he's going to be huge for Arkansas. I really like his game, and it's really cool to see him him hit it. Very humble kid. And I'm telling you right now, seeing him when he was coming out of Fort Smith-Northside, I would have never dreamed in a million years he would do that. Like, if you would have told me before the season started, by the way, Isaiah Joe is going to break – every single season three-point record ever had at Arkansas, I would have been like, ha, huh, okay. Because, folks, it's not like he's shooting four of 17 in games. Like, he's shooting 42%, 43% per game from three-point land. I mean, overall, his average is 42%. That's a high clip, and that's really impressive. So congratulations to Isaiah Joe in breaking Scotty Thurman's record. Hopefully he can continue to build, and if he keeps shooting like that and develops other elements of his game... He could end up being a pro player. Watch and see. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Rush John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked on Razorbacks. Your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.